Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez, and today we continue our off-season series going through the other 29 teams around the association. And on to the Denver Nuggets, I have Harrison Wind joining me, who covers the Nuggets in audio and written form for DNVR Sports. What's going on, Harrison? How you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for doing it. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time. And and typically how I start with this, I know it's a very vague question, so take however long you need in whatever direction you'd like to go with this. But can you kind of walk us through what last year's experience was like for the Denver Nuggets? Last year was crazy because obviously Jamal Murray was out the whole year. And the entire regular season was supposed to just be a – like waiting period to see when he would come back and he never ended up coming back. So it was, it was just a weird year. Um, and we went into last year thinking it would be a weird year, but you know, Nicole Jokic comes off his first MVP somehow becomes an even better player, wins another MVP carries the nuggets throughout the entire regular season without Jamal Murray and Michael Porter jr. Um, does what he can in the playoffs. And for Denver, it was definitely disappointing to lose in the first round just because you know they're not used to losing in the first round, but now it's been two years in a row just because of the injuries. Um, But with all the injuries they had, it was, it, it just felt like the season, um, it, it just left a lot to be desired. But at the same time with, with the injuries, like you couldn't have huge expectations. So um, I'm happy to move past last season though. I, I think the Nuggets are as well. Yeah, definitely makes sense. And then going into actually before we go through some of this roster and maybe expectations for next year, you and a handful of the DNVR guys did a trip to Serbia. And yeah. I thought that was one of the cooler things that I saw throughout the course of this offseason. And I just wanted to get kind of your thoughts and experiences on what that was like, uh, maybe what you were able to learn about about Jokic, which is obviously uh, the primary reason for going out there and just kind of what yeah. that whole seemingly amazing experience was like. It was an incredible trip. It was a trip of a lifetime. We went out there to try to learn more about Serbia culture and Serbia basketball culture. And, you know, we spoke to a lot of just Serbian basketball figures out there, coaches, GMs for the local teams, Jokic's agent. And I think we just came away with this understanding of why basketball is so ingrained in Serbia and why it's such a part of the culture there and how much it means to the people over there. We went to the Serbia Greece game um, before Eurobasket started. It was a world cup qualifier for next year. And it was just Jokic against Giannis in Belgrade, the loudest game I've ever been to. It felt like I was watching basketball in a museum just because the, um, there were just so many like historical Serbian basketball players there. And it, it was just like such a big event. And yeah, I think I came away from the trip with a better understanding of, you know, Jokic, why he is the way he is from growing up there and just what basketball means to the people over there. And so um, it, it was an incredible experience. Is the crowd like dramatically different compared to, NBA games yeah because what you got to understand is there's no bullshit over there you know there's no in arena entertainment you know there's no music going on during the games it's just the game 
That's it. And so everybody is just so locked in. I think that's the difference. You go to an NBA game, half the crowd's just not even watching the game. Um, at that Serbia Greece game at Belgrade, everybody was living and dying off every basket. Yeah, and and it was phenomenal basketball on, on top of and it. it yeah, and it was an incredible game too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's where Jokic hit the crazy fadeaway from the corner over Giannis, right? Yeah, the Sambor yeah. shuffle. Yeah. Yes, yes, a ridiculous shot. Um, yeah, a awesome experience for you guys, I'm sure, and something that I, I thought was was amazing to even just witness from the outside uh, through you guys uh, doing that and. So moving on to kind of Denver going into this next year. And I think obviously, at least I, I think we know what to expect from Nikola Jokic, which is to be one of, if not the best player in the entire league. The big X factor is obviously Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. Jamal Murray coming back from a torn ACL. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. coming back from that back injury as well. Um, do you have a feel for where they're at health-wise going into training camp? And what do you think are reasonable expectations for the two of them going into this year? Yeah, they're good to go. But I do think Denver is going to try to be as cautious as possible with them, especially early on in the regular season. Like I doubt Jamal Murray is going to play in back-to-backs early on in the regular season. Maybe Michael Porter Jr. as well. But the thing is, they're both coming off major surgeries, obviously. Back surgery for MPJ. ACL for Jamal Murray. But I actually have like somewhat high expectations for them both. Jamal Murray hasn't played a game in 18 months. And you can look at that and say, yeah, he's going to need a lot of time to ramp up. But I really feel like this offseason, he has been able to to ramp up and, you know, play in five on five and all the reports out of like the Nuggets practice facility is he's looking great. And then when it comes to Michael Porter Jr., he had that back surgery early last year. He almost came back in March and April. Like he was very, very close to coming back. Didn't make it back, had a setback, but has been good all summer. So major injuries for those guys, but I have, you know, some somewhat high expectations that they can both come in and well, maybe not at the start of the season, but I think in January, we might look at both those guys and say, okay, they're the players they were before the injury. For, for MPJ specifically, it being a back injury after that's obviously what he suffered in high school. And then again at Mizzou, um, how much concern, how much more concern is there now? Because I'm sure there already was before with his previous injury history, but now that this is mm-hmm. happening again in the NBA, how much concern is there surrounding that moving forward since so much of his five-year 179 million contract was guaranteed as well, from my understanding? Yeah, it's a huge concern, of course. The, the funny thing is his rookie year and his second season, the guy wasn't really hurt at all, you know, played in 55 games his rookie year, 61 his second season. And that was after, like you said, the the first initial, you know, back surgery he had before he even played a game in the NBA. So there's obviously concern. It's always going to be looming out there. It's always going to be lingering in the back of your head with him. But he has made it through, you know, a, a season and really two seasons without much back trouble before. So if you're the Nuggets, you're hoping he can do that again. But um, it is because, you know, if he has another similar injury this year and misses, you know, a large chunk of the season again, that contract could really, 
you know, have the Nuggets hands tied for the next couple of years. Like that could be a debilitating contract if he's just not able to be on the floor. So it's a huge concern, but I don't think people are like freaking out about it just because he has made it through seasons before coming off of a back surgery. Yeah, it makes sense. And and obviously those guys being the big X factors, it kind of feels like it's just wait and see. And that feels yeah. like the end of it from my my perspective. We know what they're capable of being and just can they get back to that? Um, and playing off of Jokic obviously makes it a lot of, a, in my mind, an easier game for these two that, yeah. that they're accustomed to as well, for sure. And I, I think that Aaron Gordon applies to that as well and mm-hmm. was somebody that a lot of people were really frustrated with last year from what I saw. Um, my perspective on on Gordon is when he's asked to be the third, fourth guy on offense compared to what might have been number two at times last year. Um, yeah that that looks a lot better and then you're able to see more positives in his defense and focus more on that. Do you feel like that's kind of a fair assumption of Gordon going into this year? I I think it's fair in the respect he's going to be in the perfect role this coming season. Last year he was miscast because he's just not that number two, number three option. That's what he was in Orlando. And it was obvious from, you know, all those years there, that wasn't his game. The thing is, Gordon still had the most efficient offensive season of his career last year. He had a career high true shooting percentage. Like his just efficiency was off the charts. And that was with him, like you said, being like that number two option at times. So with Murray, with MPJ, with KCP also in the lineup, he's going to slide into the fourth or fifth option on offense. It's the perfect role for him. I think he's perfectly content playing that role too. That's the thing about Aaron Gordon. Ever since he got here, he just bought into that role as that fourth or fifth option and defender. Like the Nuggets need him to be a lockdown defender. And I've been really impressed with his defense ever since he got here. When he was first traded here, he came in right after that trade deadline when Jamal Murray was still healthy and was perfect in that role as that fourth, fifth option. That's what he's going to be in again this year. So I think Aaron Gordon's going to have a career year. I really do. Everything is set up for him to just play like the most productive basketball of his career. I think. Yeah. I'll always root for Aaron Gordon because went to high school right near him around the same time. And that's the one player that, uh, I mean, just a, obviously a freak athlete and that at the high school level pops even more. So he was just such like a, uh, such a show that had to be seen growing up during high school. Um, so yeah. definitely while well, I was your friend Gordon, I think that the role makes a lot of sense. You mentioned KCP there as well. I am a big KCP guy. I, I know mm-hmm. a lot of people were, it, it seemed kind of split on this Monty Morris, Will Barton, DL for KCP and Ish Smith. Um, obviously Monty Morris is somebody that was really well liked assist to turnover ratio, just absolute yep. God when it came to that um, and taking care of the ball, everything you would want. And then Will Barton, a little bit of a fire, um, a, a microwave scorer at, at times as well, who could be frustrating it for that same reason from my perspective. But where are you at with um, with that swap? And mm-hmm. I, I think primarily it, it focuses on how you feel about KCP, who the team must feel good about extending him two years, 30 million. Yeah, they love KCP. Uh, the Nuggets love that trade for them. I, they like canvassed the league and came away with the notion that KCP was the best fit for that starting lineup based on guys that could be available. So he was like their top target. And even going back to last season, they thought about trading for him. 
the trade, I think it's a maybe a win for both teams, but definitely like it's good for the Nuggets. Even though like I definitely heard some you know blowback and pushback on Twitter from a lot of people, but here in Denver, it's clear that that's the type of deal they needed. Will Barton was huge for this team over the last you know four seasons or so. He was absolutely instrumental in getting them to where the Nuggets are. But his time here was up. That that was pretty obvious last season. And he had a down year here in Denver. That trade, it was really the Monty Morris trade. Like, the Wizards wanted Monte Morris. I don't know how much they wanted Will Barton. So I feel like Denver had to give up Monte Morris to get off of Will Barton as well and to get KCP. Um, giving up Monte is definitely tougher than, than giving up Barton, but... I just think KCP is going to slide into that starting lineup and and be the perfect fit. He's a better defender than Barton. I think he's going to fill that role uh, as that just catch and shoot guy more than Will Barton did. So it's it's a perfect fit, I think. I'm a big fan of the KCP fit for sure. I, I think he's a very good defender. And I saw some people maybe frust- uh, saying that he didn't have great shot selection. I don't know that I saw that all too often like there's it's here and there but I I thought that overall especially when you're looking at this lineup and in the starting lineup he's the fifth guy out there I I think it's just a little bit different than what we've seen in some of his other scenarios and then Ish Smith is in there as well and my question with Ish is that like do you think that the backup one is is Bones or Ish Smith it's Bones if it's not Bones like that's probably an issue (laughs) um yeah like Bones Highland established himself last season as a key member of this core. I thought guy's incredible. Um, So I I think it's going to be Bones. Maybe they try to frame it as a training camp battle in the preseason. Michael Mullen loves to do that, but it's Bones' job. And um, he's had a huge summer from from everything I've heard. Um, I, I kind of expect him to take a mini leap next season. Yeah, it'd be big time. I I think the bench is a question that I want to get to in a more vague sense uh, after we go through a few more of these guys. But Bones is a big time piece that they were able to get at the uh, in the 2021 draft, I believe that is. Um, So, yeah, big, big Bones guy for sure, especially playing off of somebody like Jokic, obviously, which make the game makes the game easier for everybody. Um, Bruce Brown, I thought was a super underrated signing. One of the most underrated uh, signings throughout the league. They got him two years, 13.2 million. Um, We saw the Nets use him very uniquely, almost as a big, even though he's obviously a smaller guard uh, build. Do you think that some of that carries over to what we see in Denver or what do you kind of imagine his role being? I think a little bit and the Bruce Brown signing just makes so much sense. He's a great defender. The Nuggets desperately just need good defenders. And the sneaky thing about Bruce Brown is he knows how to find his role. Like you were kind of saying on a team with stars. So I think he's just going to have a really good sense of how to play with Denver's big three and I th- think you're going to see some similar stuff to you know, what he was doing in Brooklyn. Um, but I just think Denver's going to deploy him everywhere. I think he can play some point guard off the bench. I think he can play with like every type of lineup. He's a great cutter off the ball, so he's going to be great when he's on the floor with Jokic. And I think Mike Malone's going to love him. Like, he's my early pick for training camp MVP. He's just a Malone type of guy. Gritty defender, does the dirty work doesn't need a lot of shots, can play with a ton of different lineups. Um, I love the Bruce Brown signing. 
Bruce Brown's an easy guy to to like for sure. Um, yeah. And I think that this is a place that we can work in Jordy Fernandez as well, who was a top assistant mm. in Denver last year and then worked his way over to Sacramento following Mike Brown. Um, am I understanding correctly that Jordy was primarily responsible for the defense? Yes. Last year he was. Um, Wes Unsell Jr. was the Nuggets defensive coordinator for years, but he went to the Wizards and then Jordy stepped up last year into that role. So what did you see that made Denver be able to be um, the caliber of defense that they were last year? I don't think they were a phenomenal defense or anything like that. But when you look at their roster, I, I think that it was easy last year, years prior even, to look at Denver and I, I would think like, wow, this defense is really not going to be good. But I think that they managed to be passable and and competent on the defensive end. And I, I think that's all that Sacramento can really ask for with their current roster as well. So like, yeah. what did you see Denver do that allowed them to, to be competent on the defensive end with maybe subpar talent? Well, I mean, last year, I think they were around league average. If my memory serves correct, like 15th or something. I think the offense being as good as it is actually helps because the defense or the opposing team, a lot of times just has to take the ball out of the basket, which which will help any defense. Um, you know, Denver, they had some good defenders on the roster last year. Like Aaron Gordon, quality defender. They had some good defensive options off, off the bench. Um, Nikola Jokic is a very underrated defender as well. The one thing he's really bad at is, you know, pick and roll defense when he gets switched out onto a guard. And obviously that gets magnified in the playoffs, but every other facet of defense He's just really good. Um, yeah, it's it's tough to get a read on what exactly they did well defensively. I just think they've had a system in place in Denver for a while. And Jordy was in Denver for a while, so he helped build that. But they just have a system in place, I, I feel like, that they've just stuck to the, the last several years and that they just feel really confident in. And I don't know, the fact that they were able to be a, a league average defense with – you know, the personnel they had, I, I think was probably, you know, a pretty good accomplishment. But when it comes to Jordy, he connects really well with the players. He's like a players type coach. Um, the guys really respect him. He's got a really good emotional intelligence to him. Uh, he knows how to talk to guys. Um, he's really, really sharp. So I think he's going to be good in Sacramento. Definitely excited for Jordy, and I've seen uh, bits and pieces of everything that you just kind of highlighted there when he was just coach of the Summer League squad, and we got a handful of interactions with him there. Um, it'll mm -hmm. be interesting to see what he ends up bringing uh, alongside Mike Brown. And going back to this roster a little bit, uh, why the hell does DeAndre Jordan keep getting contracts? What, what is with uh, <laughs> DeAndre Jordan being the backup center here? So here's what the Nuggets like about DeAndre Jordan. They like that he is going to be a culture setter in the locker room. Everybody loves DeAndre Jordan. Everybody in the entire league, players, coaches, everybody just has this respect for him. And he's going to get along with the guys. Um, he's going to be a much more calm locker room presence and presence in the huddles and just have a you know more stable leadership voice than, say, DeMarcus Cousins had last year. Uh, that's something that Denver likes. Um, they also like how DeAndre Jordan is a rim roller 
where DeMarcus Cousins popped to the three-point line every time, and I don't think Denver's guards really like that about Cousins. Um, but, I mean, DeAndre Jordan, like, we both know this. He was really bad last year. He's been really bad for the last couple of years. So I don't expect him to play a lot. I don't even know if he's going to be in the rotation. I, I wonder if somebody like Zeke Naji might win the backup center job. Um, but Denver wanted just a stable veteran that, you know, wouldn't be necessarily like a loose cannon or a distraction. And I feel like DeMarcus Cousins last year, he was great. But I think behind the scenes, there was some stuff that just Denver didn't want to deal with again. So that's what they're hoping DeAndre Jordan is, just a more stable presence. But I don't have high expectations for him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody else is playing, you know, the majority of backup center minutes this year. Makes sense. Zeke really interests me. And I guess real quick, touching on Boogie, because I feel like Kings fans would want me to. Um, do you think that – are you surprised that he's not on a team at this point? Yes and no, because I, some of the issues in Denver last year, I think, are the reason why he's not on a team. Like, I don't think he was the best guy like, behind the scenes and in the, in, in the locker room and, and for team chemistry. And look, he was great in Milwaukee. Early last season, they didn't re- they didn't re-sign him for the rest of the year. He was great in Denver, and you know he, he was unbelievable in Denver. He, he was awesome, um, but you know Denver, I didn't never really felt like really wanted to re-sign him. So there, I feel like there's a common thread where he plays well, but teams just don't really want to um, tie themselves to him. Um, but he was good. He was really, really good for the Nuggets. He almost won game five in Golden State uh, for Denver. So I think he'll get another shot, but um, maybe it's the type of thing where he has to find a team, you know, in January or February like he did last year with Denver. Yeah, and it doesn't help that he's, you know, playing one of the most replaceable, if not the most replaceable role in the NBA when it comes to backup bigs, and especially I think offensive oriented backup bigs that are maybe liabilities on defense are, are mm-hmm. not going to be the most sought after so I, I think that makes some sense um you know there's also the draft that we saw denver have where they took christian brown at 21 and then they traded jamichael green in a 2027 first um that's top five protected from what i saw up until 2027 um and then do i have that right 2025 it sounds, it sounds i think so yeah something like that um for 30 to get Peyton Watson. And they also got a second round pick, which will be the best uh, next year, which will be the best of OKC, Washington, Dallas, Miami from, from what I read. Um, What did you make of, of those two signings? And I think it points to a bigger question. Like, is there any noticeable difference between what a off season under Calvin Booth looks like compared to Tim Conley? Yes. To the second part of that question. Definitely. Yes. Um, Calvin Booth could, I don't think, you know, could be more different than Tim Conley. The guys are, they're both very, very different in how they're building out a roster. Um, like Calvin Booth, you're not going to see a guard like Calvin Booth's not going to go out and get a guard that's under six, three for his roster. He's just not, they have Ish Smith, but you know, he was acquired via trade. I'm not counting him. He's not going to go out and sign a guy, a small guard. No, you're not going to see a Faku Camposo on on the Nuggets roster again. A guy built like that. Um, 
he just believes in length and um, he just feels like that's a very important part of roster building. Um, Tim Conley's really loyal to his guys. You saw that in Denver. You've seen that in Minnesota where he's taken three guys from the Nuggets bench last year and signed them to contracts. Calvin Booth, I, I feel like, you know, he's, he's not afraid to hurt feelings like that. Um, and he went out this offseason. I feel like just had a very specific plan of what the Nuggets needed. They need to get, you know, bigger and they need to get more defensive minded. So he went out and got KCP and Bruce Brown. And then the draft, he got Christian Brown, who I think is going to be a very good defender. Um, and he's also a two, a six, six shooting guard, six, seven shooting guard. So he's, you know, that fits that big guard prototype. Um, Christian Brown, I expect him, you know, to fight for a rotation spot throughout the year at backup, small forward, backup shooting guard, maybe. Uh, I, I really like just, you know, his two way play, his three and D potential. I think he'd be a Grayson Allen type of guy. Peyton Watson, I don't expect to play really at all for Denver this season. He's going to spend most of the year in the G League. But what the Nuggets like about Peyton Watson and he wasn't very impressive in summer league, so I don't have huge expectations for him at all. Um, but what the Nuggets like about him is he's a six-eight wing who can be maybe an all-NBA defender one day. And he had a terrible year at UCLA, didn't play a lot. But the Nuggets are thinking, okay, we put this guy you know, in the G League for a year. Maybe next year he's ready to contribute. And if he would have gone back to UCLA, maybe he'd be a lottery pick next year. So that's what the Nuggets are thinking. Maybe they're a year early on Peyton Watson, but they also just didn't think that you know, there's really ever a whole lot of opportunity to go get a guy like Peyton Watson that's young and has that type of defensive upside. So they just drafted him a year early. Yeah, and I think they – I was surprised doing this that they gave up what I, th I think is a decent amount. You know, like I think that future first being top five protected, there's like – some risk involved there just with how far out it is. Like obviously the Nuggets roster looks great. They're fairly young. There's a lot of reason for optimism that they'll still be good at that time, but you never yeah. know with the course of the NBA. So I thought that that was a little bit of a, um, an interesting move for sure. And, and speaks to maybe how much they, they really like Watson. And when it comes to this team next year, um, I, I think obviously the starting five Murray, KCP, MPJ, Aaron Gordon, Nicole Jokic. And then after that, like, who is a part of this rotation? In my mind, uh, I see Bones, Bruce mm -hmm. Brown, Jeff Green, mm -hmm. uh, and then I guess Zeke Naji. And yeah. just just for the what, like twelve minutes, Jokic doesn't play or something like right. that. And then who after that do you think is battling for rotation minutes, or who did I miss? So I think you're right about the top eight: the five starters, Bones, Highland, Bruce Brown, Jeff Green. I all think you're going to be in the rotation. Uh, you got to look at backup small forward, and I think that's going to be Davon Reed. Um, he's a guy that was on a two-way contract for Denver and has kind of been a developmental story for them. Christian Brown could fight for some of those minutes at the backup three. And then, you know, the final rotation spot, because Michael Malone likes to play 10 guys, so I, I expect him to play 10 guys again like he's always done. I think DeAndre Jordan maybe starts out at that backup center spot playing 10 minutes a game. Um, but Zeke Najee, I think, will also get minutes there. So I'd put like DeAndre Jordan slash Zeke Najee as that 10th guy. Makes sense. So then when you're looking at the over the overarching like entire roster that Denver's working with, um, mm -hmm. what are your 
primary concerns when it comes to trying to be a championship contender this coming year? It's really health. (laughs) Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., how good they look coming off of injuries. The bench definitely has some concerns. Um, They're really handing the keys over to Bones Island with that second unit. And, And the bench in Denver has just been a storyline the last several seasons. They've really struggled to find consistency when Jokic is off the floor. And they just haven't really you know, found a formula that works with the bench. And I even think this year, you know, Bones Highland, Bruce Brown, Davon Reed, Jeff Green, uh, DeAndre Jordan, like I'm kind of uneasy about that group. And, and there'll be guys that stagger, like Michael Porter Jr. could stagger with the bench. Jamal Murray could stagger with the bench. Um, but the bench is definitely kind of something I'm, I'm a little concerned about heading into the season. Other than that, though, this team is loaded. They've got star power. They've got a guy who I think is the best player in the league. And they have the de- defenders this year. They've got enough of a supporting cast. If Jamal Murray is able to become the player he was before the injury by the end of the season, you know, the sky's the limit. Yeah, it makes sense. And last thing before I get a couple of your uh, brief thoughts on on Sacramento's perspective, what do you think the range of outcomes is for this team when it comes to the regular season? Obviously, postseason is what's going to matter. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I think from a Kings perspective, we're kind of just focused on regular season and maybe trying to get to a play in and and flirt yeah. with one one postseason appearance. But what do you think is the range of potential outcomes for this Denver squad? So the floor is probably like the sixth seed. Because that's what they were last year, and all they had is you know Nikola Jokic and Aaron Gordon and uh, Monte. Mo- like they had a ragtag crew last year, it seemed like, and they still got the sixth seed. So that's what I'll put as the floor. Jokic will get you there, and the ceiling for the regular season is number one seed in the West. It's that's you know it it is what it is. Like that's how good this team could be. I think they could be the number one seed in the West. I think they could have the most regular season wins. It's definitely on the table. Definitely makes sense. I I think that uh, when I complete all these and and sit down, like I've already been thinking, I totally could see myself putting Denver at that number one seed with the talent that they have. And like you mentioned, like being so injury riddled last year and still finishing with 48 wins and that six seed is just uh, so impressive. And Harrison, last thing I got for you, I know this can be a little bit difficult for other people. Obviously, I don't have a great feel for the Nuggets. I don't expect you to have a great feel for the Kings, um, but I'm curious to get an outsider perspective on what you think of primarily a Fox and Sabonis pairing, and I don't know if there's anybody else on the roster that you have strong feelings about. I like the pairing. Um, The Kings have talent, for sure. I like Kevin Herter. Always liked him. Always liked Harrison Barnes. Keegan Murray was fun in Summer League. Um, And I've, I've seen... You know, national people, you know, people just around the NBA universe. The Kings, some people are sneaky high on them. Like, I feel like it's higher weird. than years past. <laughs> Is it weird? Yeah, not used to it at all. Yeah. I don't know how to feel about it. They're definitely better than they were last season. I don't see how they make even the play-in, though. Because, I mean, you just look at the West – I think collectively the West is going to be better than it was last season. And it's like, how do the Kings get in that play? And if you got the Lakers who are going to be better, the Blazers are going to be better. I think both those guys are better than the Kings. So I think Sacramento's better, but 
even making the play in seems like it's going to be tough again. It is. You know, I don't think that uh, my listeners are going to love to hear this. I think that there's a decent chance that my final Western Conference prediction has the Kings sitting at 11. And it really just comes down in my mind to them or, or Portland. And yeah, it's it's hard to bet. And, and a lot of people will throw the Lakers in there as well. I just cannot for the life of me work myself up to say that the Kings are going to be better than a team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Um, it's really tough for me. And, you know, they'll probably make a move if they don't uh, prior to the season at the deadline and, and get better. So I, I think that it's really hard for me to put them above the Lakers. And I think it's kind of a battle with Portland, which obviously have their own stars as well, like Nurkic coming back and looked pretty good during Eurobasket. Um, and then obviously Dame Lillard, who is the best player on any of those rosters that we're talking about um, and, and any of Portland or Sacramento, that is. So definitely yeah. get where you're coming from. And yeah, last question was going to be a hard yes or no on ending the postseason run but i guess that's a no from oh makes sense makes sense gonna, you're far I'm from the only one no yeah i gotta say no man sorry it's understandable <laughs> you're far from the only one i appreciate the honesty because i feel like some people t- will come on here and feel obligated to be a little bit more optimistic because <laughs> of the king's podcast but it makes sense um harrison that's all i got for you man do you have any final thoughts um yeah any final thoughts from from your side man i mean i'm sure you know your listeners who are just listening to me for the first time probably think I'm just, you know, a Nuggets homer who's high on this team, but the Nuggets are loaded. I really think they're stacked, especially in the regular season. I really feel like they can walk to, you know, a top three seed in the West. So it's in Denver, you know, where there's never been, I feel like more anticipation for a Nuggets season. So it it should be exciting here. I understand the excitement. I'm with you when it comes to the roster construction. Um, and I think that there's a whole lot of reason for optimism for sure. Um, everybody listening, that's at Harrison Wind on Twitter. Again, uh, audio and written content for DNVR Sports. Harrison, I will say I hope that you're, I hope that the Broncos get their ass kicked today by the Niners. And I hope that this does not age poorly. Uh, but about to go catch this Niner game after this. So. I'm praying that that's where I can have some optimism between this two. Cause I agree with your Kings assessment, but hopefully I got yeah. you on football. If the Broncos lose today, this city is going to melt down. So <laughs> it's win or lose. It, it should be interesting. Definitely. Definitely. And uh, yeah, at very least like my dad's a Raider fan watching the game downstairs. I'm surprised we didn't get any background noise. Cause I think they were getting <laughs> their ass kicked by the Titans and he's just counting down till the, till the uh, Warriors play. So at least Denver fans can kind of do the same with, Uh, nuggets basketball but again at harrison wind on twitter thank you for joining me man and everybody listening definitely to check out the king's herald for um all the writing for myself and all the other great guys and gals there and take a look at their patreon as for a local independent king's coverage and if you enjoyed this episode of the king's post podcast please subscribe rate and review and you hear from me again in the next couple of days